You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. And this is David's pick. And I, I'm David and I enjoy picking different veterans to interview on this show. And we've got one that uh, we, we treated him so badly the last time. He uh, decided he'd come back and get even with me or something. But anyway, we're glad to have uh, Skip Bell on. And uh, as we have started doing in the past, uh, we we want everybody in the country, and we think that the people that are listening to the show appreciate this. In fact, we've had some comments on it that we want to start this show and our veteran shows with a moment of silence prayer and thank God for our country, our veterans who have kept it free, and for those who are on active duty now. We'll be back in just one moment. Thank you for joining us, and uh, as I told Skip, we've also started doing something a little bit different in that uh, I feel very strongly about where our country is, and I want to start, we'll start doing all the veteran shows this way, and that is start off by saying the Pledge of Allegiance, and if you'll join me in this, we'll say our pledge and be right back with the interview. I pledge allegiance to the flag flag of the United United States States of America America. and to the republic for which it stands, stands. one nation nation under God, God, indivisible, indivisible, with with liberty liberty and justice justice for all. And I know, you know, in the past there have been some people that have uh, even said amen as uh, at the end of uh, the... uh, Pledge of Allegiance, but you know, folks, we're going through some very trying times, and we're going through these trying times because of people like Carl Skip Bell, who served in Vietnam. I believe, Skip, you served what, two, three terms, or three tours? Uh, two tours. Two tours. Well, <laughs> that's that's enough to get your feet wet, Art. 
yep. maybe yep. get towards drying them out and um <laughs> yeah. depending on how you're looking at it but uh we do appreciate your service and you know what all vets have done for our country and how we have to respect what they've done and realize and i hate to use this term because everybody uses it but it it couldn't be a truer term in the world freedom folks is not free and those that have gone before have many have paid the ultimate and at this point i'd like to invite everybody to johns creek georgia newtown park and their memorial walk that includes the replica of the Vietnam Wall that's in Washington, D.C. Johns Creek bought the touring wall, and they have given it a permanent home in Johns Creek at Newtown Park. And this Saturday, two weeks ago now, I went to the dedication of the Afghan Afghanistan Monument and Johns Creek Colonel retired Mike Mazell is just doing an incredible job and you can't go there or I can't go there without a handkerchief in my hand and thinking of the the folks at the wall that paid the ultimate sacrifice and those that have given their lives now in the Middle East and Afghanistan and I just a shout out to everyone that and this includes their families and their the ones that were left behind while somebody else was deployed so we love you we respect you and God bless you for the service and our country and with that being said, we can't let our country be taken away from us. And I don't think many veterans are going to let that happen. But anyway, Skip, again, welcome to the show. And um, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, David. And, and I will ditto your comments about the Johns Creek, uh, uh, the, I, I believe they call it the wall that heals. Yes, sir. And uh, and Mike Mizell has done a remarkable job with that uh, with that whole park. Uh, it's just a it's it's a very it's a precious place uh, in so many ways. It honors uh, the you know well you know what they say some all gave some some gave all and uh, and that that park honors both of those groups um and uh yeah it is it's just a just a truly special place so i I appreciate you bringing that up um yeah i i'm sorry that i missed that uh that ceremony um a couple of weeks ago Uh, i had uh a meeting actually with one of the groups that i'm going to talk about here in a few minutes the uh the Georgia chapter of the Vietnam Helicopter Pilots Association has a bi-monthly breakfast, um, and uh, that breakfast happened to hit on the Saturday uh, when the Afghan 
memorial was was being honored, and and I'm the one that organizes the breakfast, so I couldn't, you know, I couldn't very well back out of that. But anyway, uh, I I know that the speaker uh, was uh, was Colonel Rick White's son, uh, Colonel Graham White, who just relinquished command of one of the Ranger battalions, and has spent, I think. I think his dad told me he's had like nine deployments, which is, um, again, all gave some, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and some of that is a heck of a lot more than a lot of other people have given. But uh, I think when, when one is assigned to an elite unit uh, like the Rangers, then that's, that's kind of one of the things that, that we have to agree to do. So, but thank goodness for people like that. Oh, um, Graham is so, incredible. Yeah, yeah, he's a, a very impressive guy. I, I know he he at the uh, uh, the the Georgia uh, Veterans Hall of Fame. He was the one who read the citations, um, and, uh, and he did a great job with that. Which, of course, one would expect. Um, uh, let me so, let me continue with uh, that thought. Yeah, first. Uh, you know that. The, the White family is is are truly patriots. Oh yeah, and and Rick Rick White, Colonel Rick White, retired, is the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And uh, Rick, you know, I, I personally have a problem with the White family. How can that many people be so nice? And do any and every talking about somebody that give you the shirt off his back. I don't think there's a member of that family that wouldn't. And yep. uh, it's just not fair that one family, the Rick White family, and and I also want to mention that I always salute Colonel White in that Graham. You know, Graham is a reflection of his parents. Mm-hmm. And he's an outstanding young man, and that just makes me even matter, Rick. How can you be that nice and and raise a son that's going to outrank you before long? Yeah, yeah. But well, no. I, I hope he does. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's on his way now to the Army War College. Yes, sir. And that's you know that's the first step to. Uh, to making general officer, uh, it, you, well, it's it does not everybody that goes to the war college becomes a general, but everybody that's a general has been to either the Army War College or one of the other service equivalent war colleges. So uh, that's a being selected for that is a big deal in terms of of one's uh, uh, outlook for promotion. To well, general officer, and I, you know, I can't believe that that Graham White would not be one of those that's selected. I mean, he's he has put his put his life on the line for our nation uh, more than most. Oh yeah. So, uh, if that's a criteria for selection, then he'll be selected. Uh, sadly, sometimes I wonder. If that's the criteria for general officer selection or not, but that's a whole nother—that's a whole nother topic. Sure. Uh, if there is a—if there's justice in this world, uh, Colonel Graham White will be uh, General Graham White. Yes, so, sir. And, and that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And I—I 
I want to be there when he tells his father to drop and give him ten. <laughs> and I bet his dad could do it. I bet his dad could do it too. <laughs> I tell you what, that is just if if America's Web Radio ever honors families or something, the whites would be at the top of the list. Yep. Um, yep. They're just I fantastic. Agree. You I know, I, I've never. I've never called Rick that he hadn't come through, and and always with such a great attitude. And he's just, uh, so with that being said, everybody should put on their bucket list to do, and that's go to, go downtown to the Floyd Building, and that's where the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame is. Take a day, go down there with your family, explain to your kids, what it's all about and who these people are it it's an education and with that being said i also like to bring up the fact that every veteran should take the responsibility of being their family's history book it is deplorable what we're seeing in fact this has been good from the standpoint the pandemic has been good from the standpoint that many families are realizing what their kids are not being taught in school particularly as far as history goes so i i promote the fact that every veteran should take their their kids or their grandkids put them up on the knees and talk to them about the flag what it meant to take the oath to serve and defend our Constitution and why they served and how they served and what the flag means to, I think, every veteran and will be into anybody that tries to take our flag down. And uh, I'll get off the political box, but uh, our country needs you and, the, and our country needs every veteran and the respect that they deserve for serving. So well, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I, you know, uh, unfortunately, I think uh, a lot of us did, you know, that were taught those things in school um, when we were growing up. Just assumed that they were being taught, and and now we're <laughs> now we're finding out that that's not always the case. Um, and it's a shame. Uh, it, it's just, um, I, you know, I, I'm afraid most of us had our eyes closed when we shouldn't have. But um, hopefully, it's not too late. Hopefully, it's um, not too late. And if any, if any school or school teacher is listening. I can't believe that the flag has been taken out of the classroom, but if you want a flag, I'll give you a flag to put in the classroom again. And just ask that you start your day by saying the Pledge of Allegiance and letting your students know how important it is. And I, you know, the the downhill slide started when they took prayer out of schools. And now they've taken the Pledge of Allegiance and the flag out of schools. And, you know, when I was growing up, and I'm, I'm sure it was the same with, with you, Skip, that 
I, that, that was a great way to start every morning, you know? Yep. And, and it just felt good. Yep. And yep. It instilled pride yes, in, sir. In, the, in the nation. I agree with you. And it made you feel like, I'm a part. I'm a part of the greatest country in the world. And, and you know, the chill bumps that came on, or goosebumps, whatever you want to call them, that when John Glenn did his first shot and then you know as we watched in class the different things with nasa and the pride we had in our country because we had come back from sputnik and we were showing the world we are the greatest country in the world yep so i didn't mean to get on a tangent but today's climate makes it very easy to go off on a tangent and i'm sorry but We've got to put the brakes on with socialism. And I'll throw out one other thing. We have socialists and communists in our Senate and House of Representatives. In the Senate, you've got Bernie Sanders that we know is a socialist. And I was taught socialism is the first step towards communism. Keith Allison, Omar, Blart, AOC, um, Presley. Bush, Macbeth, Johnson, Williams, and the list goes on and on of the folks that are known socialists in our government. We've got to get rid of those folks, and that is by voting them out. So, anyway, have I have I already talked too much, Skip? No, sir. No, it's your show, pal. You. <laughs> You can now, talk as much as you want to. Now, um, this is your show today, and we're going to talk about, and this is very important, and you said something right before we got started, and that was the fact that I wanted, uh, we're starting shows like this now with a silent prayer and then by saying the Pledge of Allegiance. And you said, well, you know, all of our meetings start that way. And I think that, that, that's sort of like the old song, Give Me That Old Time Religion, you know? And yes. that's That's how I grew up. Everything started with a prayer and then the Pledge of, the Pledge of Allegiance. And so with that, I know you're a member of a number of organizations, and uh, we're going to talk about that today and how important it is for veterans... To be members, and there's nothing better than, you know, getting six veterans together. I agree with that. Uh, yeah, we we do. But both of the organizations that I want to talk a little bit about today, um, uh, that being the Georgia chapter, the Vietnam Helicopter Pilots Association, and the Atlanta Vietnam Veterans Business Association. These are both Vietnam vet organizations, and we, at every meeting, we do start out with a prayer, with the Pledge of Allegiance, and with the National Anthem. Uh, and, you know, no matter how many times I hear that National Anthem, when, we get, when I get to the part uh, where it says, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there, I still get a chill. Uh, every time I hear that and uh, uh, or sing that, and it's just, and I got one now actually. So, 
so, you know, I, the, the Vietnam vet organizations uh, are, at least the ones that, uh, that I'm aware of, uh, are a highly patriotic uh, group of people. And uh, even though uh, our fellow citizens didn't, didn't go out of their way to make us feel welcome when we got back, um, you know, we still... Uh, we still love our country, and we still, when the when we were asked to do it, we stepped up and 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 uh, and gave it our best. So, uh, you know, one of the goals for me of um, of being on this broadcast is to let other Vietnam vets know um, uh, that you know that there are some organizations out there. Where they are more than welcome, and uh, and it's amazing how much how comfortable I feel, and I and I hear from others that they feel the same way, getting to hang around with other Vietnam vets or other veterans in general. Uh, it's just I, I, you know I you can walk into a room full of veterans and feel like you're at home, even though you may not know any of them. Because you know you've all got that common uh, that common experience. So um, you know, with that in mind, for for those Vietnam vets who are helicopter pilots, uh, if you go to the website ga-vhpa.org, that's Golf Alpha Dash Victor Hotel Papa Alpha dot org. Uh, that's the Georgia chapter of the Vietnam Veterans Association website. And on that website, it lists uh, when our meetings are and where they are. And uh, it also has a link to the National uh, Vietnam Veterans, Vietnam Helicopter Pilots Association website. Um, our next meeting, and we our meetings are bi-monthly. And they are breakfast meetings, and we hold them at, uh, at a restaurant in Marietta called the Come and Get It Family Restaurant at 1409 Church Street Extension in Marietta. Uh, the breakfast starts at 9 and usually ends around 10 or 10.30, and it either includes a guest speaker or uh, sometimes we'll just go around the room and let people Tell about their time in Vietnam. Oh, or oh wait a wait, wait, wait a second! Something that they want to tell. Wait a second, and, Skip. Are, are you telling me that those helicopter pilots, in general, can't tell just one story? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, yeah, it's kind of funny uh, when we, you know, when we have at one point we used to go around the room. Even if we had a guest speaker, we would go around the room and let everybody introduce themselves and say, you know, who they flew with and how many tours and all that. And and it got to the point that that uh, uh, the the stories that they told about you know who they were with and and when they were there took so long that the guest speaker didn't have but about ten minutes to talk. <laughs> so. So we've we've sort of rearranged things a little bit to where we have the the guest speaker, and if we have time to go around and introduce ourselves, we do, and if and if we don't have time, we don't. Uh, but sometimes we will just, in fact, 
the last meeting we had was just to go around and introduce yourself and you know tell a funny story or whatever so um but yeah helicopter pilots are are as a as a general rule kind of a little bit more gregarious uh than some of the others but uh uh, it's a good bunch of people, and again, we have that sort of commonality of experience. You know, when you you uh, get in that aircraft in the morning and you head out, and you don't know if you're coming back or not. Um, in my case, I did two tours in Vietnam, and my first tour, I was on the ground with an armored cav squadron. Uh, and then my second tour, I was a helicopter pilot. And what I found was that, that um, as a helicopter pilot, in terms of creature comforts, uh, your life is a lot better than, than some grunt that's out there sleeping on the ground. Um, but uh, the downside of being a helicopter pilot was that you got shot at a lot more. Um, and, you know, every now and again, one of the you know the, well there's the old the old adage of little bullet big sky but every now and again that little bullet will hit something important like the aircraft or the engine of the aircraft or the guy driving the aircraft and then it gets to be a little bit little bit hairy but uh, as a general rule as a helicopter pilot you did sleep in a bed at night if you made it back <laughs> and you did have a hot meal uh, and maybe a beer or two. So, you know, in terms, of, in terms of just creature comforts, life was better. But in terms of danger, um, you know, I'd say it was pretty much equal. Uh, well, you know, that on the ground was much more personal uh, and much more violent, I think. Uh, in terms of, of you know, when it happened, it happened. Things happened really quick. There was a lot of concussion. There was a lot of you know things flying around close to your head, and a lot of screaming and bad smells and blood and stuff like that. Um, uh, although, just between you and me, the the hardest part actually engagements with the enemy um, were, you know, you were almost looking forward to it um, by the time that you had lived the life that you lived as a as a ground soldier. You know, you're sleeping on the ground. you got all the mosquitoes in the world helping you, you know, to do away with your, you know, with your blood. And, and, and you're, you know, it's hot and it's miserable and you're eating cold food most of the time and you know i mean it's just a hard life and the the you know then every now and then, what was it the, somebody said combat was you know hours and hours of boredom followed by you know minutes of stark terror and that's probably a pretty good description <laughs> um hurry up and wait well there's that too you're right uh there there is the the hurry up and wait side of it but um again i you know i feel fortunate to have experienced both sides of that coin uh and uh you know i i don't think that there was one group or another group that was any more courageous 
uh, or dedicated or any of that than the other. Uh, it was just different. Well, we, uh, we always like to salute one. We have a very close friend that's a, um, a doctor. He was a medic in Vietnam, and uh, Don Moeller, and he's doing, behind the scenes, he's doing a lot for veterans right now. But mm-hmm. I want to salute him and and the medics and our the fantastic nurses that perform triage. And many oh, times yeah. those nurses would jump on that dust off and go out to the field as well. And right. I I have all the respect in the world for the dust-off pilots that I don't think they ever thought once about their own safety. What they were thinking about was picking up the wounded and getting them back to a triage center. And I just, all the respect in the world for for Vietnam pilots, uh, helicopter pilots, and the dust-off that just absolutely performed miracles in many cases oh yeah well yeah the dust off pilots were indeed a special breed no doubt about it um generally speaking if you're going to go in to um pick up somebody that's that's been wounded the chances are pretty good there's some enemy soldiers around yeah uh and you know unless the individual hit a booby trap or something but uh, or, but even at that, you know, you could end up landing on another booby trap. So, uh, yeah, those guys, uh, I have all the respect in the world for them. They're, they were indeed a special breed. Um, uh, but, you know, they, there were, well, well, we'll leave it at that. The, the dust-off pilots were, were indeed a special breed. So, um, so... The other organization that I would like to brag about a little bit, actually, is uh, the Atlanta Vietnam Veterans Business Association. Um, again, if you are a Vietnam veteran, uh, it doesn't matter what service you were in, uh, what rank you were, any of that. Um, if you want to get together with a bunch of good, good folks that are also Vietnam vets, um, our website is avvba.org. That's Alpha Victor Victor Bravo Alpha.org. We meet once a month, uh, the first Tuesday of every month. Um, and here lately, we've been doing it by Zoom because of the the pandemic. Uh, we plan right now to start meeting in person again on September the 7th. Uh, We meet at 11 o'clock a.m. on the first Tuesday of each month, and we meet at the Dunwoody United Methodist Church in the Fellowship Hall there. We we rent that from them. Uh, There's a lunch included in the meeting, and it's usually really good food. Uh, The address of the Dunwoody United Methodist Church is 1548 Mount Vernon Road, Dunwoody, Georgia, 30338. Um, Actually, our next meeting is going to be a Zoom meeting, and it's going to be on August the 3rd. Uh, And again, if anybody out there that's listening would like like Zoom credentials uh, to, to look in on the meeting, uh, they can email me at uh, 
A-V-V-B-A info, that's Alpha Victor Victor Bravo Alpha, India, November, Foxtrot, Oscar, at gmail.com, A-V-V-B-A info at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to send you the, the Zoom credentials for the, uh, for the upcoming meeting on the 3rd of August. And again, hopefully by the 7th of September, uh, we'll be back to meeting in person, but we're also going to keep the Zoom meetings going for people who are either not real comfortable with getting together with a group of people yet, but still want to see the guest speaker and all that, um, or have moved out of town and, and just still want to be part of the group. We do have a couple of our members that are living in Florida uh, that that join us every every month by that Zoom meeting. So, um, you know, in that in that way, the pandemic actually was a good thing because it's you know it's allowed us to to do an outreach um, by by uh, using this Zoom application. Skip, we're so, going to need to uh, take a break here, and oh, okay. uh, we'll be back with Skip Bell right after a couple of messages. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we do thank everyone for listening, and we've got some important information that, uh, you know, Skip and I talked about it earlier. It's sort of sickening to know that only 1% of our eligible folks that could join the military do, and I think that's a very sad number. But with that being said, I would like to throw out an idea to everybody, particularly all of you veterans. And I did a very poor job of it, but have have pulled back up and think, uh, you know, know your neighbors. And I mean this as seriously as a heartbeat. Know your neighbors in your in your in your subdivision, your close neighbors, next door neighbors, and so forth, and find out whether they were veterans. But also let folks know that you're a veteran, and if push comes to panic know who you can turn to or know that they can turn to you as a veteran and I think as time goes on this is going to become more and more important and you know let your neighbors know that that you served in Nam or you served in Desert Storm, Desert Chill whatever and uh, in some ways casually let them know what your MOS was and if need be, as the Boy Scouts uh, Boy Scouts always say, be prepared. 
and if need be, take charge. So, let's get back to the organizations, Skip. Okay. Thanks, David. And, and oh, by the way, I fly a flag in front of my house every day. My, my, my neighbors <laughs> my neighbors know where I stand. Um, so, uh, I, I want to talk some about the AVVBA. It, it is a truly special organization. Uh, we've got about 250 members right now, and we usually, uh, well, back when we were having in-person meetings, uh, we would get 70 to 100 at any given meeting, and our Zoom meetings were running about 80 to 100. So, uh, you know, it's there, there's a, like any organization, there's a, you know, a core group of people that that uh, that participate, and then there's some that join, and we never hear from them again. But but they at least joined. So um, so AVVBA has been around for 40 years. Uh, we were started uh, in 1981, and uh, uh, and it was a, a a couple of guys that uh, saw some. Some pe- a couple of people that were business people in Atlanta that, uh, you know, they got tired of seeing what Hollywood was portraying as, uh, as the Vietnam veteran. And, you know, you see these uh, people on the street wearing their fatigues, and uh, which they, you know, may or may not have. It may not even be Vietnam veterans, but they like to pretend to be. And, and of course, the way Hollywood portrayed us as a bunch of, you know, dope smoking, whatever, you know, baby killers. Um, so uh, these folks uh, were, you know, in the in the real estate business in Atlanta or lawyers or, uh, or other successful business people that had come home from Vietnam, uh, gotten out of the Army or, where, or whatever service, Navy, whatever service they were in, and, and, you know, made something out of their lives. And, uh, you know, they... Uh, through talking to one another, they found out each other were veterans, and they started meeting uh, at a place called Penrods on on Veterans Day. And there was about six of them, and then they you know they extended it to Memorial Day, and then uh, you know started getting together with their spouses uh, for dinners and things of that nature, and. And the Atlanta Vietnam Veterans Business Association was was born, and uh, it took several years. But in 1986, uh, well, in 1985, uh, one of the one of the fellows that was one of the original members was also affiliated with a um, with a, a kids summer camp up in North Carolina. And one of the people he heard about, one of the people that was a, a camp counselor up there, had uh, joined the military, joined the Army, and gone to Vietnam and been killed. And uh, the people at the summer camp, in order to honor him, uh, they named the, the boathouse at the summer camp after him. And this gave uh, this fellow the idea of, well, you know, uh, maybe we should start honoring Vietnam vets from Atlanta who made the ultimate sacrifice 
this particular individual was a uh, graduate of the Citadel, and one of his classmates was a Marine lieutenant named Fuller. And Fuller was from Atlanta, and he was killed in Vietnam. And in 1986, the group uh, did uh, a memorial for Lieutenant Phil, uh, Fuller, uh, you know, here in Atlanta, in the area where he was, where he was from, and it was, you know, they had uh, family members, uh, members of his unit, uh, all kinds of folks that came to that, and it was such a, and they got a lot of good newspaper uh, um, reporting done on it as well, you know, Atlanta Business Chronicle and some of those. And um, it was such a hit that they started doing it uh, every year after that for a, a different uh, person from Atlanta or from the metro Atlanta area, as it turned out later, uh, that, was, uh, that was killed in Vietnam. And I mean, we've, we've, had, uh, we've done memorials in Cartersville, Jonesboro, all around Atlanta, we did one up in Dahlonega. Uh, there were 29 former uh, North Georgia College cadets that died in Vietnam. That uh, that we did a memorial for them up there. Um, we've done a total of 26 uh, memorials throughout the Atlanta area or metro area. Uh, actually, we've done 27, but one of them we did twice. Um, there was uh, a warrant officer named McDowell, who was a Cobra pilot. Uh, his dad was the chief pilot for Delta Airlines, and so we did a memorial to him out at uh, on Concourse A, out at the Atlanta airport. You know, which was a Delta Concourse, um, and uh, then after after uh, 9/11 when the public could not get out to Concourse A anymore, uh, you know, you had to be flying to do it. We did a second memorial to Warren Officer McDowell, and we did it uh, in the atrium of the Atlanta airport. And that memorial consists of a, uh, of a rotor blade from a Cobra uh, with a, a plaque on it, and, uh, and it is hanging in the, uh, uh, on the wall in the atrium at the Atlanta airport. So you know we we have we have tried to honor you know those of our comrades that didn't make it. Uh, you know a lot of us feel like there for there but for fortune go I. Um, so you know that was one of the things that we did, and I mean these memorials were were uh, really productions. I mean we would have a one of them we had a B fifty two fly over. Uh, we usually got the Army Aviation Heritage Foundation down in uh, uh, in south of Atlanta. There, uh, they would they would do a Huey flyover for us, uh, or we would get the Air Force to do a flight. Depending upon you know if it was an Army person we were honoring, we'd get a Huey flyover. If it was a an Air Force, we would get an air you know somebody from the Air Force. Um, if it was a Navy person, sometimes we could get Navy aircraft. So, uh, but it was, you know, it was, we always invited the families, it found members of the unit, 
and flew them in and put them up. Uh, you know, and, and it, it was just a very special, very well done uh, ceremony. Uh, again, to honor, you know, those people that gave the ultimate sacrifice. Um, another thing that we have done since 2005 is we have partnered with the USO uh, down at the Atlanta airport, and we send volunteers um, twice a month to go down and and help feed the troops and greet the troops and that kind of thing. And uh, during, you know, in, in, during the 2005 to about 2012, uh, there was uh, the Atlanta airport USO was the rally point for troops coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan for their two-week R&R. If they lived on the east side of the United States, they came into Atlanta. If they lived on the west side, they came into Dallas. And uh, uh, we would help uh, to organize them to get them uh, back uh, after they were coming back off of R&R. We would organize them and actually walk them through the atrium um, with a flag and and cheering uh, for their, you know, we would take them over to the transportation control point where they get manifested on aircraft going back. Um, we would we would have somebody to guard their bags up in the USO so they could they could meander around the airport if they wanted to, or they could eat at the USO, or uh, you know do whatever they wanted to do. We would watch their bags for them. So they didn't have to worry about keeping up with that. We're going to um, we're going to have to take another break. So uh, oh, okay, stay tuned, and we'll be back with Skip right after this. Hello, my name is Rick White, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I want to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And if you're already a Georgia veteran, then the definition of a Georgia veteran is either you were born in the state of Georgia, or you've lived here 10 years, or you were raised to right hand and joined the military in this state, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to www.gmbhof.org, or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. We'd love to have your nomination for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Thank you so much. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we welcome you back to America's Web Radio and David's pick today. And my pick is Carl Skip Bell. And Skip did two tours in Vietnam, was a um, helicopter pilot, flew both uh, the Huey and... Oh, I've got to ask. I've flown in a Huey a couple of times, and I just really don't remember, but... I know you will. Anybody that's heard a Huey coming towards them, they know how distinct 
what the sound is. You can pick a Huey out of crowd almost, you know. But when you were flying the Huey, was that same sound dominant inside the Huey? Uh, you know, I guess it was kind of in the background. We were listening usually to two or three radios, uh, plus talking on the, you know, talking to each other on the intercom. I mean, you, you'd hear the pop, 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 uh, but you'd also, you know, the engine, the turbine engine has got that kind of loud whistling noise, and and you got people talking. You know, as I say, you're listening to uh, maybe infantry on the ground, and you know, your your company frequency that you're talking to each other on, and then you've got one a radio tuned to what was called guard. Uh, uh, and so, and on guard, that was where people would broadcast if they were going down or something. So, I, I, you know, I, I, you're right about the Huey being a very distinctive sound. Um, but there were a lot of other ones going on in your head when you were inside the aircraft. Would, would you say you were in a position of something past multitasking? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's. That's one way to put it. Uh, yeah, it, and a lot of you know. Of course, it depended upon whether you were flying in formation or flying by yourself. Uh, if you were flying in a formation, you know, you had to be watching whatever aircraft you were oriented on, so you didn't you didn't have a midair or something. Uh, so you're doing a lot of, and that actually took some concentration, depending upon how tight the formation was. Uh, you know, if you were flying a gunship uh, and you were doing a target attack, uh, you know, you're obviously operating the weapons systems, you know, in addition to trying to drive the aircraft. Uh, so, yeah, it was a, uh, it was a lot going on uh, that, or there could be, you know, some, sometimes you're just out there driving, but uh, <laughs> it, 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 you had to, you had to be thinking about a lot of different things and doing a lot of different things at the same time. That that's one thing about a helicopter, you know, it 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 requires both hands and both feet uh, to be busy at the same time as you're, you know, and if you change you change power settings, if you add add power, you know, you you have to put in left pedal to counter the torque. Anyway, it's uh there there's a lot going on. Um so uh, but uh, I'm living proof. Give a monkey enough bananas, you can teach him to do anything. Because if I could, <laughs> if I could learn to fly one, I think anybody could. Well, um, I, I don't think they had to give you very many bananas. <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, one thing I wanted to say about the uh, the AVVBA was that um, uh, our meetings that we have every month, we have guest speakers. And uh, they range from, I mean, we've had former prisoners of war. We have had uh, uh, former, or we've had Medal of Honor recipients. Um, we've had authors of books. Um, and and this, this meeting, we've got uh, a lady named Lynn Gendusa uh, uh, that wrote a column for the Marietta Daily Journal about Vietnam veterans. It was just a beautiful column, uh, and it, it actually it ended up going into USA Today and a number of other uh, a number of other um, uh, newspapers. 
and Lynn is going to be our speaker on August the 3rd, uh, and she is going to give us the story behind why she wrote that article. It's really interesting. Uh, she uh, was uh, grew up in LaGrange, Georgia, and a number of her high school classmates uh, went to Vietnam and didn't make it back. And, uh, and that was sort of what prompted her to write this, this article. But anyway, she's going uh, to be our guest speaker on the 3rd. Um, um, back to some of the things that the AVVBA has done, because uh, I know we're going to be running out of time here pretty quick. Um, we have established a scholarship fund for veterans, and we like to think of it as one generation helping another because, you know, the vets that are coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan, going back to school, uh, we have established a scholarship fund to help, to help them. Uh, we have developed a partnership with the Atlanta History Center uh, where we, we help them with uh, the oral history interviews that they, done, uh, they do with veterans. Uh, Ms. Sue Verhoff is in charge of that over at the veterans at the Atlanta History Center and she and her volunteers do an outstanding job uh, interviewing veterans and and recording those interviews and they actually go to the Library of Congress among other places um, and and are a permanent record of history uh, so that people doing research on the Vietnam War uh, can have those uh, interviews uh, to look at uh, and to hear. Uh, we march each year in the Atlanta Veterans Day Parade. Um, we, we uh, oh, we have published a book uh, called I'm Ready to Talk about, and it's stories written by uh, our, our members of their experiences in Vietnam. And actually, we're working on a second version of that right now. Um, that's going to come out before Veterans Day. Was that uh, in conjunction with Bob over in Athens? Yeah, that's uh, Bob Babcock. Yeah. His, uh, his, his company is called Deeds Publishing, and uh, Bob is the one that's, that's uh, editing those stories. And, uh, yeah, we've, so, uh, yeah, and, it, and it's really a good book. I mean, I, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to say that without being thought to be prejudiced but it is no, it's, a, no, I, it's a very good book we've and, uh, uh we've interviewed bob uh, a couple of times as a matter of fact i yeah I, Bob's before, a good guy he was an infantryman uh an infantry platoon leader in the fourth infantry division uh when he was in vietnam and uh so he you know he he saw that war from uh from a pretty tough perspective because that right. the area of operations that the fourth ID was in. In fact, that's the same, the same division that uh, uh, that Colonel Rick White was in as well. You know, their their area of operations was mountains, and right. what that meant was you're either walking uphill or downhill. And when you've got seventy pounds on your back, neither one of those is easy. Um, and then, of course, you had to deal with the the fog and the mountains and the weather. A lot of times, they couldn't get resupplied. Uh, when they needed to be, uh, and you know that included water and ammo and food and and things like that. And it was 
that was a tough area of operation. Skip, we're going to be running out of time, and I've got to put out some words that uh, oh, okay, sure. for everybody. And, and Skip, uh, I hope you'll take this and do something with it as well. Our government right now, and it's a, very, it's a handful of people, and this is deplorable, this is terrible. This started back in March of 2020. We thought we had raised enough cane that we were getting it resolved. But if you're a veteran and you need your personnel records, everybody, well, just go to the archive, National Archives and, and you can get it resolved. No, you can't because those idiots have been closed since March of 2020 because of, oh, well, in COVID, we, we just can't go into the office right now. That's baloney. They've been trying, they have a less than skeleton crew. And if you're a veteran and you need your medical records or you need your records of service, well, we'll be glad to get that out to you, Skip. It'll be about 90 to 150 days at best. This is bull. And anybody that's listening now or in the future to this broadcast, please call your congressman and raise hell that the archives needs to get their act together. They have, I've forgotten how many hundreds of thousands of requests, and they've got like three or four people trying to do it. I'm sorry. When you raised your hand, Skip, our government made you some promises, and by God, they better start keeping them. And we're going to raise hell about this until it freezes over. That's the National Archives where your personnel record is. And if you needed to get a copy of your 201 file or your medical vaccination file or anything, I think the term is SOL, and that's not right. No, you're right about that. It isn't. Please, please contact your congressman. Anybody that you can contact and tell them that the National Archives that contains all of the veterans' personnel records has got to get up and going. This is not fair. People can't get loans. People can't get their records, their medical records. They can't get anything. And if you're in need of your medical records to prove, you know, when you go to uh, not when you go in to the VA and you need to prove that you were in an area of Agent Orange, it's in your personnel records. But if you ain't got them, you ain't got them. So I tell you what. With that being said, Skip, I'm going to have to ask: Will you come back again? Uh, well, we'll see. Okay. And uh, I thank you for being on today, and it's always a pleasure talking to you. And, you, you uh, too, David. We uh, we got a we got a chore to do, and that's keep our veterans in the forefront. Yes, sir. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.